Today on the Next Brave Thing podcast, I have one of my besties, Shanna Franceschini, on, and you will recognize her voice from some of our earlier podcasts. Um, but today I'm interviewing her, and I'm very excited about that. So just to brag about Shanna, she is someone who sees something she wants and then she goes after it. She is incredibly articulate and very intelligent. She went to college for both music and interior design. She's been an art director for commercials and movies. She is uh, she was a theatrical producer, scenic designer, and teaching faculty at BCA where I work. And she was she also was a director of an art gallery as well as an interior designer for residential and commercial projects. She's also an actress and a singer, which you're going to hear a bit more about today. And some of her favorite roles, which I got the pleasure of seeing, uh, she played Mary Poppins in Mary Poppins and played Maria in Sound of Music. She is married to one of my favorites, her husband, Dave. They've been married for 19 years. They have three gorgeous daughters, Ava, Mia and Lily. And she's also been a worship leader and pastor's wife for the past 20 years. So today we are talking about taking action and creating momentum towards your dreams. We talk about working through pain of rejection. We talk about how we disqualify ourselves and what it means to really take empowered ownership of your life and going after what you want. So I can't wait for you guys to listen. So enjoy. Today, everyone, the tables have turned. I have one of my besties. Uh, on the podcast, Shanna Franceschini. Did I say it right? You did. Okay, there we go. And I'm so excited to have you on. I'm also excited to catch up because you're in America and I'm in Australia. And have been for way too many months. Like my kids keep asking me, when is Auntie Ella coming back? I'm desperate. Like you've been gone way too long. I know. I've been missing our wines on the couch. But the good news, I'm really back really, really soon. <laughs> I can't, seriously, I can't wait. Like I'm, I'm probably not even going to let you go back to your own apartment. I'm just going to be like, why don't you spend the night for like a week? <laughs> yeah, that would be so fun because we have so much, well, we keep catching up with, we, we've been catching up, but it's very different when it's in person. That's for sure. Yeah. I know. I know. But I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because you are someone I am so inspired by, like seriously mom goals. Um, and I wanted to have you on. I felt like we've recorded just for the audience. We've recorded a podcast with you twice, but, <laughs> but we, um, they were amazing, but I left the SD card with the, the last podcast in America. So here we are re-recording it, but it feels like your life has so much momentum. There's been so many changes since all of the podcasts we've recorded. So, and like you've had many different um, career and aspirations because you're one of the most high, like high-flying people who are so freaking capable at any kind of job, uh, you could run the world. And um, <laughs> so we always like process both of us. Yeah. <laughs> We're always processing like what you would want to do with your life. And, and many times on the couch over, I think, we, have we known each other four years now? 
Yeah. Is it about four years? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So in that time, I think we've had a few moments on the couch with a glass of wine where you say, if I'm really honest with myself, I really would love to just pursue singing. And it's always that thing of like, oh, but that feels too brave, too scary. (laughs) Um, But what's so exciting is that you are finally really going after that. And you're also having some really exciting wins in that world, um, which we won't fully go into today, but we want to talk about what got you there because I know a lot of us and even clients that I talk to, we, we kind of have this little secret dream in our heart, but we don't have the courage to really like stop what we're doing and really go after that wholeheartedly. And that's been super fun watching you do that. And I'm so inspired, um, especially when you see the payoff. So I would love to talk about today really about what what it looks like to create momentum and taking action. Um, So yeah, have you got some thoughts about like what kind of led you to here? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah, you're right. I have spent my life, my career um, being one of those like high functioning creatives who, um, you know, I've had bosses call me a white whale because I am both administrative and creative. And so that opened up a lot of doors for me um, with pretty, you know, shiny jobs. I've been able to do a lot of really cool things. Um, But along the way, I, there was always this sense of, but it's not the thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if I were to leave the planet, God forbid, you know, but if my time was up, have I left the thing on the, on the planet in this precious amount of time that, that I have, like, have I stewarded that gift of time well, and have I done the thing that I feel like was mine to give mine to deposit? And even though I've done a lot of great things and I've, I've invested myself in other people's journeys and in other people's lives in a super positive way, um, it still didn't feel like it was quite the thing. Um, because I've always been a singer. Um, I grew up as a singer. I, my grandfather was a professional singer. He opened for Nat King Cole. Like That's insane. Harry Grant films. Like wow. He, when I was born and I could sing, I remember hearing stories about, oh my gosh, well, poppy this and poppy that, and, and you've got it. So therefore you must. Yeah. And can I just jump in? I got to, um, one of the sweetest moments I went to your family for Christmas in Colorado and your mom played your poppy and you singing. And it was breathtaking. It was so beautiful hearing your voices because you did a recording when you were like 18 or something yeah yeah Yeah. so special oh yeah yeah and it always was that was the thing like when I've heard it said that like the the thing that you were created to do and the thing that you most fear kind of dance in circles around one another (laughs) totally (laughs) that has been my experience you know like I feel like at a young age the stakes were so high Like either you are a professional at this and you go and win whatever America's Got Talent. Well, when I was little, there was no America's Got Talent. But like you're either my mom would talk about wanting to hear me on like K-Love 
and um, which was her favorite radio station. And so like there wasn't room for me to just like maybe get it wrong for a while or maybe just play at it for the sake of fun. You know, like it was too high stakes, too young. Yeah. And so I didn't have a healthy relationship with rejection or failure. I felt like if I fail at this, I have just like missed the boat completely. You know, uh. um, or if people don't think I'm enough, I will be crushed. And I, and like my little heart could not get past those things. So yeah. even studying music um, in college, like I got to the point where now we're starting to transition into trying this professionally. And I just couldn't handle the, the growth side of leaning into something, you know, professionally. Um, and it was too hard and it was too scary. And now at my age, which is way too old, traditionally to be after <laughs> your dreams. I'm like, why the heck not? It says who? Yeah, no, that's what makes me so inspired by you because I talk to a lot of people in their mid thirties or going into their forties and even older than that, they quickly disqualify themselves because of their age. But what's crazy is that your brain has more developed, you have more life experience, you have a maturity and a self-awareness around you. Like you're good at processing like what's my stuff and what's their stuff. And so if anything, you're more equipped to go after your dreams. That's what I think. A hundred percent, like a hundred percent. Because if you have a big, big dream, it takes some pretty broad shoulders to be able to carry that dream. It's years of like developing yourself and working hard, you know, on growth, emotional intelligence, you know, and, and I think one of the keys, you cannot go after a big, scary, vulnerable dream. If you're not in therapy, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. sister. You can't do it. You just can't because like in getting prepared over the last two months, like I've really experienced this. I finally got to a point where I was like, I have to do this for me, like I mm -hmm. have to go after this and find out if it could be or not. What I want to do is I want to sing for TV and film. Like I want to sing in an animated movie. I want to sing on the movie score for something epic like Lord of the Rings. I want to be that high lilting, you know, elven voice that you hear <laughs> in the background. And so like I, I decided I'm going for it and I've been taking the proper steps in order to like stop making excuses and do it. And yeah. I would say the last two months have been hell as all of my um, triggers, all my rejection triggers come yeah. up. And if I was not in a good relationship with a counselor who could help me regulate down, take a look at it, process through it, get to a healthy place, there's no way I would have yeah. made it through the last two months to the scariest thing, which was spending time in the studio, um, creating a vocal demo with one of the greats for that, like, like there's no one better. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's amazing. Oh my yeah. gosh. And it's yeah. expensive. And like, I was just like, no, like nothing's gonna shut me down. But I would not have made it to that day, which ended up being the most beautiful, like most, the winds on the other side of yeah. the door, like walking up to that door, I was 
terrified. I had fought so hard just to get to that door. <laughs> and on the other side, I was ready for it to be a little disappointing, a little hard, you know, whatever. Like I had faced all of my fears and it actually was none of those things. And it yes. was so beautiful. Yeah. But I wouldn't have gotten there. Right. You know? If you didn't have a way of rumbling through rejection, and I think, well, and I'm kind of seeing a visual of 18-year-old Shans versus present-day Shans, and I I can tell, you know, why you would have given up because it would have been so high stakes, whereas now you're more flowy and more surrendered. You have vision and goals, but you're also like, surrendered to the process. Um, can you speak to how you're processing this differently than what you would have when you were fresh and going into this? Yeah. So straight out of college, it's like, if you study, if you study the arts in any medium, you know, like if, if you are a fine artist, you know, a visual artist, a performing artist, doesn't matter. Um, even, even if you're a, um, a dancer, a, um, if you're a, a musician, if you're a, if you're shoot an athlete, you know, yeah. studying and it's so high stakes and it's hardcore and you've got these big, big dreams and you get out of college. And now this is where the rubber meets the road and your dreams are either going to come true or they're not, you know, those stakes are so high and you're desperate you know, mm -hmm. like you just don't know that there are any other options. Like you, you have this one thing that you want to do and go after. And if that doesn't happen, the world's going to crumble. Like that's how yeah. it feels. You know? And, and cause we're so impressed with the Justin Bieber's and the Britney Spears's and the Justin Timberlake's who made it really young. And so we have this narrative in culture that puts it all this pressure on in our twenties, it's way too much pressure. <laughs> yeah. And mm. I think what was different for me is that like, I, I knew that I was going to be super in my head about this. Like I, this, this opportunity that we're talking about that I just came that was last weekend, like Monday, mm -hmm. like it was mm -hmm. literally not seven days ago. And I knew it was going to be a little tough. Like I knew that I was going to feel pretty vulnerable. And so I was like, what can I do to lower the stakes? Like what can so I good. do to just feel the most like, like this is worth celebrating. You know, my, actually my vocal coach that I've been working with, who is seriously amazing. Um, she was talking about the power of what we tell ourselves, like what's in our brain and what we, um, how we think about that thing that is scary. Um, so I had, like, I had spent weeks retraining my brain to be like, no, this is going to be exciting. This is going to be so much fun. This is going to be, you know, whatever. Um, but I knew that wasn't quite enough. And so I decided to bring my daughter with me mm. and turn it also into like a girl's weekend where she and I could play. Like there was another purpose for the trip. Yes. Other than just this thing. That's so good. It wasn't so high stakes. Like this thing going well or not, you know, like if it doesn't go well, it's not going to tank the trip because we're doing all these other fun things too, which was a key for me. And in mm. the end, she got to come into the studio with me. She got to sit right there at the mixing console, right next to this producer. Um, they got to joke around with one another and me standing in this historic 
studio, like I am in the same vocal booth that they filmed or filmed that they recorded most of the Glee music in. Like wow. it's the same one. I've seen pictures of Barbara Streisand in there. I've seen pictures of Celine Dion in there. Like it's the same one, <laughs> same stuff on the wall. Like it was, that could have been so intimidating. It was just a legendary studio, but I'm looking through the glass and I'm seeing my daughter sitting there joking around with this amazing producer, Tim Davis. And um, for me, it was just like, man, this isn't, this isn't intimidating. This is just fun. Like we just get to play. Yeah, right so now. cool. She is having a blast. And so let's have a blast. And then all this incredible sound came out of me because I was in like this happier vibrating space. Oh, so good. Yeah, when I was in drama school, they would teach us to do creative visualizations around performance. And at the time I was too young to really value it. I was like, oh, this is a little woo woo. <laughs> but then when you get older, you realize our state of mind is so important in vulnerable moments. And I love how you kind of primed yourself for that. Um, that's so, and what a beautiful teaching moment for your daughter to learn that following your dreams is like watching mom follow her dreams is like such a beautiful parenting moment. Can you speak to that? Oh my gosh. It was the most like, who uh, people will talk about like, I have this big thing I want to do with my life. And so I don't, I'm not ready for kids yet because mm -hmm. like, I want to do this, this, and this before I have kids. Like I hear that a lot. And I felt that like, I remember when I got pregnant with her, I thought my life was over. I really did. <laughs> like I hadn't accomplished anything yet. And I was like, no, I remember sobbing, getting ready for my husband to come home to tell him I was pregnant. Like it took me all nine months to wrap my heart around this thing that was about to happen to me. Right. And that's a real and thing like, for a lot of parents. Whew, yeah. For, for, mm -hmm. for women who feel mm -hmm. that, like I'm with you at like yeah. women who are trying to decide, like, should I have kids? What about my dreams? Like, oh girl, I get it. I get it. But here I am like on the flip side of that, living my absolute best life. And yeah. this beautiful 15 year old who looks up to me that I have a beautiful, fun relationship with, like, like is, is in the middle of it with me. And she was, I, I can't even, I can't even tell you how beautiful our yeah. was together. Um, I wouldn't have taken anybody else. So special. And she gets to see how a big person processes brave things so that she can learn to be brave. It's so cool. I'm so proud her about that. Like yeah. over there, I was like, Hey, like when I was growing up, my parents style was to kind of protect the kids from yeah. things. Right. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't really talk to us about their stress. They wouldn't talk to us about, um, money trouble or like, um, stuff that was going on at work that we could tell was really painful for them as humans. Like I could tell something's not right and you're not okay, but you're not letting me in because you're trying to protect me as a parent. But I'm like in high school, like I'm not dumb, right? And so for me then, it made me feel disconnected from them. Yeah. And so I have allowed Ava to see me, now not my littler ones, you know, mm -hmm. this is age appropriate, but she's 18, 
she, yeah. she's going into her sophomore year in high school. Like I only have a couple more years with her. So I've let her see how hard like some of these rejection moments have hit. Like she's gotten to experience how I handle my downs and then what I do to find my way back to my ups. And wow. I asked her on this trip, I was like, hey, you know, like I've experienced a lot of things in the last two months. This has been very difficult for me to process through some stuff that happened um, and, and continue to move forward, continue to pick myself up. Was that scary for you? And mm -hmm. I was, I was worried that she'd be like, yeah, I wish you wouldn't have let me in, you know, <laughs> to right. the journey and process. And that's not what she said. She was like, mom, I loved watching you experience pain and it was deep pain. And then I loved watching what you did with it. She's like, cause I learned so much. Wow. About, like, I believe I can go through that kind of pain now and be okay. Wow. How? Which yes. yes. Chasing my dreams does only that. Yes. You know, great. Brilliant. Wow. That is such a powerful moment. And of course, like your parents, it's their generation to protect from pain and obviously from a beautiful heart. But I think because we're so intimidated by pain, we avoid it. Whereas you're showing a process. And I think that that is the most powerful learning moment is that we don't have to be intimidated by pain, right. which then builds resilience. Yeah. So tell us about, you've mentioned rejection a few times and um, man, I mean, I'm going to be doing a rejection episode at some point, which I'm terrified to do because it's so deeply painful, like deeply, deeply painful. And so tell, tell us a bit about how you've processed rejection. Well, I think that the key, man, to building a healthy relationship with rejection and failure, both of them, I feel like they go hand in hand, you know, um, because if we were raised in, um, like I was in a, like, my mom has fully given me permission to like out my early childhood. <laughs> so okay, because, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> because she and I have worked through it, you know. Yeah. I, you know, she was young and they were out to prove to the world that they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And so I had to be perfect, you know, in, in those early, early formative years. I actually developed um, depression at like two. Because wow. I had I had learned that if I'm not perfect, I'm not worth love. Like if I can't yeah. do it right, I'm yeah. going to be shamed or I'm going to be punished. And so I am terrified, was, I'm working on so much better now, terrified of failing, of mm -hmm. trying and not getting it right. Because if I can't get it right, I now am not worth loving. I'm not worth accepting. I'm not worth, you know, mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Um and so I think that the key to, to overcoming all of that and helping developing that healthy relationship with rejection, rejection yeah. <laughs> and failure is to go ahead and wrestle with the pain, to sit with it, to look at it, to not run away from it, to not struggle, like to not shove it down, like hold it and then change that narrative, you know, mm. like start to, and you need help. Like yes, I'm telling you, this is where the counselor comes in. Yes. Um, because you will be back to two year old brain. Yes. 
14-year-old brain or whomever experienced that trauma or that rejection. And so you need somebody else to come help you rewire Yes. You know, your brain. And there are therapies that really help with that. Yes. You have to sit in it. You have to be willing to wrestle with the pain Mm -hmm. in order to be able to change the narrative. Speaking of changing the narrative, because I think this is why we don't pursue our dreams or why when we have one setback, we give up is because we have a subconscious narrative. And what you mentioned is your subconscious narrative that maybe you even brought in from your two-year-old self to your 25-year-old self or whatever was, I need to be perfect to be loved. How have you, what would the new narrative be now that you've worked through that pain? Um, Yeah. What would the new narrative be? Yeah. I think one of the hardest phrases that I bawled through in therapy was um, I'm worth loving even when I'm messy. Yes. Wrong. Yeah. When I'm, when I am um, mean, you know, like even when I am mad, like yes, I'm worth love. Yes. Those statements, I just bawled through. I'm like, nope, that that does not compute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But even as like one of your best friends, I'm like. Absolutely. Like our friendship is even on a friendship space, like our friendship is strong enough to withstand messy. And it was, I literally was talking to a client and they're like talking about how they have to disappoint someone. And I was like, I think that your friendship can handle you disappointing them. I think it can withstand that. And that is where we learn worthiness, which is the magnet to our dreams coming true, that you're valuable, that you're worthy. And I just, wow. So you've taken the narrative from, I have to be perfect to be loved to I'm loved, even if I'm messy. That's so good. Well, and the thing that changes too, as you start to reform that narrative, the people in your world change. Yes, they do. Tell me more about that. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a friend who um, also went through like a, um, like a, a life coaching training program thing. And she said one of the most powerful things she remembers from the seminar was when they learned that there are only two types of people. There are takers and there are givers. And she, um, they were discussing like what that is. And I realized, oh my gosh. Because I believed that I am only worth loving if I can be good, like if I can give enough, if I can perform enough. It was my belief that I was worth being in relationship with, um, was connected to performance, what I can do for you. Mm -hmm. The people in my life, like were people who were totally fine with me busting my ass to the point that I was like not healthy, but that's Mm -hmm. okay because you're doing what I need from you. That's a teacher. And as soon as you're like, actually, I don't have that to give right now because I'm going to chase after this other thing and it's going to require so much of me. So I can't give that to you anymore. Suddenly, like I'm getting ghosted by that person. Like 
they don't have time for me anymore now that like I'm taking some time to run after something else and can't just bust it. Drop everything and be there for them. Yeah. Right. And like, that's painful because that started to feel like rejection. Like this person won't even return my text and it's someone that I love. Like Mm -hmm. what's that about? And then I realized, wow, I'm just like, I'm getting healthy and I'm not showing up in their life the same way that I used to. And if I'm honest about what our connection used to be, it probably included a ton of stuff that just wasn't healthy. Yeah. Like, it was codependent. And so now I'm, I'm getting healthy and my relationships are changing. Luckily yeah. ours like has always been super healthy. We have withstood the stand of time and we've had some good moments at hard moments, but honest moments. And we deeply respect each other. And we, I think we both have like believe the best about each other's intentions. I think that's probably, and we've actually, I would say the, we've had different seasons in our friendship where we were like every single day together, working together. And then it pivoted and it's like scrambly because you're so used to being with each other all the time. And we, I love that our friendships withstood the stand of time, but it's not a, I feel like both of us have a BU be free, organic. I trust that we're available to each other. We don't have control. Um, And then it's flowy, but also both you and I are growers. Mm -hmm. So I think our friendship would probably like stop or probably it would phase into a different space if both of us weren't intentional, intentional about growth. Like if one of us was then it would sort of go, oh, our friendship's going somewhere else. You know, not that it's over or ended, but I think both of us are constantly, yeah, digging deep to be the most whole self. And so yeah. anyway, that's that's my thought on thoughts on us. <laughs> Yay. Yay. No, that's yeah, so good. I think it's so important. Like if you're gonna try to do something brave. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, like, like we said first, you've got to build a healthy relationship with rejection and failure. That takes counselor. Then you've got to have the right people around you and the people might start changing as you start going after that thing. And that's okay. Yes. Just being aware of that, that like you need people around you who are willing to say, yeah, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You can do this. And like, I'm here for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, it, it, it was night and day, you know, yeah. day having Ava there with me. Yeah. Knowing, like I got a text from one of my closest friends right before, like the morning of, like she had just remembered, mm-hmm. like, hey, I know you're doing something brave today. I'm thinking about you, you know. Love that. I woke up to a text from my husband who was like, hey, I woke up, I started praying for you. This song came to my mind, you know, sent me a yeah. link to the YouTube. He's like, why don't you? just listen to this for a while and it was like a song about like there is no striving you know yes that's a good go and hang out and play and so having those people who will remember like you're doing something vulnerable today and I'm here for it and I'm just going to send you a quick text to say I care about you you know like you checked in on me right afterwards those people matter 
Yeah. And even your mom flew in to support you on one of the things. And that's so huge. Yeah. My mom saw me backing out. Like my mom saw me, I was getting toward the finish line and something really painful happened in a totally different relationship. And, um, I was starting to just be like, I can't, I like, I just can't, like I'm feeling so many feels. Um, like I got laid off in the middle of this process. Like it wasn't fun. Like I was having to really intentionally go after this rejection and failure thing. Yeah. Um, but my mom saw me like starting to backpedal and just be like, maybe I'll go after this in six months. She's like, Nope, I'm flying out with you. We're going to do this together. It's going to be okay. And so, yeah, you need those people. But I would say the third thing you have to do, if you're going to try to like do anything brave, you have to take ownership over your own journey. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, the yeah. best way to get your power back is to take ownership. Blame. It just holds us back. Yeah. You know? And there's a, there's a place for acknowledging where in, there's a way like, because blame is we're trying to discharge our pain and put it onto someone else. Like, because we don't want to feel the pain. We'd rather be like, you did this to me or this place created this in me. And, um, and I know that there's part of therapy is working through the blame part. You don't want to kind of bypass and go, Oh, it's all my fault. It's, you know, you, you actually want to acknowledge and understand all of the parts of the story, but what has um, ownership looked like for you? That all is so good because you're absolutely right. You know, like right. it's it's um, it's not fully saying it was all me. You know, right. and not acknowledging what was done to you. You know, yeah. Um, but it's not staying stuck in that victim space because it's easy to be like they're a villain, I'm the victim. Done. Um, yeah. You know? But rarely is that the case. Yeah. You know. They're a person in pain. And when we're in pain, we behave badly. We're not our best right. selves. Right. And so was I probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. usually there is stuff that I could have done differently and there's stuff they did. And, and so it's, yeah. yeah, it's being able to look at all of that. But I think that the first thing you have to do is just be honest with yourself. Like you've got to get really honest yeah. about, you know, how it felt, what happened, what you did you know, mm-hmm. what, what you could have done. I, and honest about what's holding you back. Like if, if yeah. you're not even thinking in terms of pain or a situation that happened, like if you're even thinking in terms of, I have not gone after singing professionally, um, since college because why, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we haven't taken enough time to get super, super honest and acknowledge the why, because I feel disqualified because I feel, um, shame be, because I never, you know, whatever. And you'll start to remember things that, you know, I, because I felt like I had this opportunity that I then didn't steward well, and I didn't email that person back and that could have turned into something, but then it didn't because I was irresponsible. And so I feel like I blew it Mm. forever. The end. Mm. Yeah. Able to be honest and go back and be like, yeah, yeah, you did blow it. You didn't bring right. that person back. You had an opportunity and you weren't responsible about it. You, you, you didn't, you decided to party the night before that big, whatever, and you blew it, but you were 22. 
Right. You were 22 and you're not 22 anymore and you can die again. And sometimes it's just as simple as back to those shame spots. Yes. Still holding you that you don't actually realize are still there, but they're there in the back of your brain. Yes. Um, And just opening up the closet and letting them out and then practicing some self-compassion and self-forgiveness in the middle of that. So good. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yes. And that, and like that, and even another word I use for self-compassion is understanding. Like you were 22, (laughs) like that's what 22 year olds can do. (laughs) Yeah. Party the night before a big thing. And then they come in with puffy eyes Yeah, and they forget to send that thank you note that their teacher told them that they should send. And so now that that person hasn't emailed them back about that thing, you know, and and just like, we slip into mm-hmm. shame so easily, don't we? Oh gosh, yes. And then, yeah, shame is um, often our biggest block, you know, for for moving th- forward. And I love how you say, like, clearing out the closet, going, okay, shame is there. Let's forgive myself and move on. Um, that's so powerful. Yeah, I realized in in going through this this like journey, I realized, oh my gosh, one of the things that I have had in the back of my brain that's been disqualifying me was the fact that like after I had braces in high school, um, I went to college, braces are gone, I'm wearing retainers. Well, my retainer broke. And so I should have called my mom who could have called my orthodontist to be like, hey, Shannon needs a new retainer so that my teeth could have stayed straight. Well, I didn't do that because I was busy, you know, watching the five hour version of Pride and Prejudice (laughs) starting at 11 p.m. all the way until, you know, just just stupid crap that we do in college. Yeah. So then I get back home for um Christmas and I realize my teeth have moved so much at this point. Like I can't fit back into my old retainers, but I don't want to like incur the expense of like, I feel bad because my parents spent so much money on braces, but now I probably need them again. But like, I'm too scared to tell them. And so like, I just feel all this shame about yeah. how irresponsible I was about my retainers. But now I know that if I want to pursue the performing arts, if I want to be on camera, if I whatever, like perfectly straight teeth are, I have to, I can't be a Disney princess if I don't have perfectly straight teeth. So in that moment, I was just like, nope, I guess I screwed up and that dream is done for me. And I continued to believe that for 20 years. You know and can, can I jump in? This is connected to your core narrative. I have to be perfect to be loved. And then you fell short because you you failed your parents with your retainers. You failed yourself. So you may as well just give up. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that that's, yeah. So, I mean, what's your approach with taking ownership or showing up now? Like, yeah. because ownership. I think- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Tip for me with that one at 38 looked like I am making money now. And so I can do aligners and straighten these teeth so that I do feel like qualified to get headshots. Like if that's really the thing, like 38 year old brain stepped up to the plate and was like, um, yeah, we can solve this. It'll probably take like six months. <laughs> and that felt like such a revelation. It was like, Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Because now the shame monster isn't the one speaking. Yeah. And you, it sounds like you have um, decided against 
like the ageism thing. Like that's, yeah, tell me a bit about fighting ageism. Well, I think that I have some beautiful role models in that. You know, I think it's so important for people to be able to see themselves modeled, you know, like just, I love what's happening in Hollywood where there are all body types. There are all um, genders and orientations and like, like, um, people can see themselves represented in what they'd like to go after Yeah, because it's important, you know, like I've got these heroes (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are like, I think more profound in their 60s and 70s as as stunning actresses. They've just continued to age so beautifully and their talent is getting even better. Like you look at people like Helen Mirren and Diane Keaton and there are so many of them where I'm just like, dang girl, I still have so much time to get as serious as you are. So I keep my eyes there. Yes, that's so good because that's another component of ownership. I'm not going to be at the mercy of like what the media is saying, what um, maybe I learned growing up because even the media has changed now. It has more of an inclusive, diverse um, approach, but sometimes because the narrative for when we were growing up was you have to be super skinny and blonde and blue-eyed and perfect teeth and all these perfection, unrealistic things. Um, So it's even just telling something in our subconscious, like I get to play by my own rules. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And you like, you invite creativity back in. Yeah. It's like once you push shame to the side, it's like creativity spills in and fills that void. Yeah. It's like, wow, I'm not stuck in this like box that felt this big for me because yeah. shame was the one with the loudspeaker telling me it could only look a certain way. Yeah, know? yeah. But now uh, th- there are so many paths and so many opportunities. And, you know, for me with singing, like the only one I could envision was either musical theater and Broadway or um, opera. Mm. And both of those, like what they told me in school is if you haven't made it by 26, you're not going to like, no one is going to like whatever. So I had that in my brain. Like we just hear that and we just know, okay, there's one way to get there, one way Mm. to make it. And that's it. Um, And now I'm just kind of like, what? There are so many, there are so many avenues. Um, so many ways to be creative, so many things to explore. Yeah. And, um, yeah, once, once that shame is gone, man, this truly is the limit and you get Mm -hmm. to explore all the options. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like in sort of coming to a wrap up of this episode, um, what advice would you give to someone who has this dream in their heart, but they don't know how to take even baby steps or they don't, what, what advice would you give to that person? Who's like, I want to be where Shanna's at, but that feels really scary. Um, Yeah. What would you say to them? I mean, beyond all the things that we've talked about, I would say, take a look at your habits 
Yeah. Just like pick one that you're going to start intentionally changing. Yeah. Saying a powerful yes to something also means powerful no's. So good. Important, you know, like in order for me to actually go after this thing um, over the last two months, like I had to make some pretty big financial commitments to this, which meant I had to say no to a girl's trip to New York with a like one of my best friends um, for her 40th birthday. I wanted to go on this trip so bad. You yeah. Know? And, and yet she was somebody who she knows what I'm going after. She completely understood, you know, she's in this with me. She's like, I would love to have you with me, but like, I fully understand. So there's no resentment there, but like I had to sacrifice that thing that I really wanted for that thing mm -hmm. that I really wanted more. Yes. And it's going to require some of those. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to start carving out time. Usually it's going to look like, you know, it, it makes, it takes an impact on your finances. It takes, mm -hmm. um, it impacts your social time. Mm -hmm. It impacts your sleep. Like you, you, it impacts your intake of water, you know, like you just yeah. start having to make some more powerful decisions around your leisure and your recreation in order to be in the place of most potential. Mm, that's so good. good. That. You know, mm -hmm. feel good about those no's because mm -hmm. you feel that much better about the yeses. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the yeah. only other thing would be um, it's okay to lend yourself to someone else's success for a season. Yeah. Like I have held this dream closely to my heart for a long time. Yeah. And there have been times where I have felt the momentum to go after it. And yet someone that I deeply loved needed something from me more. Mm -hmm. And uh, like my husband or my children, right? Know? There have been there have been seasons of no. I actually have to be more present for my daughters, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I have to be more present for where my husband's currently at in his career mm -hmm. um, because this really matters to me more. And it's yeah. okay to carve out yes. some space and some time to lend yourself to someone else's success because you really, as a woman. It's like, we want all of it. We want the career. We want the dreams. We want the kids. We want the family. We want all the things. And yes, you can have them all. Mm. Sometimes not all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's okay to realize I'm in a toddler season and I'm not going to be as shiny in this toddler season. So I'm going to embrace it mm -hmm. because around the corner from the toddler season is the recording in the studio in LA dreamy dreamscape <laughs> season. Yeah. And it's like, as you're sharing that, that feels like an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, because in the scarcity mindset, you only get one shot. Everything is urgent. I have to be doing a million things right now to be worthy to get the thing that I want. Whereas abundance is more seasonal, flowy, surrendered but also when it is your time you're ready like and that's that's so powerful I love that and I think speaking of next brave things I think even in my and coming back to the U.S. my next brave thing is the thing that you talked about is being strong with my yes and my no and because when we're not really clear on our yes or don't practice it all the time on what our yes is and what our no is, I think that's what probably for me has been a big component of burnout. 
Um, so that's my next brave thing. But what's your next brave thing in this season? Honestly, like I, I get to sit and wait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here for a minute. Um, I'm, I'm still building, you know, so within the next six months, I'm going to have all the tools that I need. I'm going to have my vocal demo. I'm going to have a voice acting demo. Um, I'm going to be, you know, pursuing the agents that I am most interested in because I know what I want Mm -hmm. and I'm taking all of the steps to, to go after it. And so, um, it includes, it, it just includes all kinds of fun stuff, you know, like yeah. it's just, it's this treasure hunt and we're going to see where the yellow brick road lands. It is a very exciting treasure hunt. Oh, I love this all so much. And oh, I'm so proud of you and inspired by you. And I'm sure our listeners are. And um, yeah, do you have any final things to say before we finish up? No, just go be brave with your life. Time is just so precious. It's just so precious. And you just really don't have time to show up on the planet anything less than brilliantly. Yeah. You know, so whatever that is, just go be brilliant. Go shine. Go do the hard things. Do the brave things. Do the brave things. Because it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So good. Well, Shanna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I'm excited to, yeah, Shanna's going to be obviously popping on the podcast in the future. So we'll get little check-ins and updates. Um, But yeah, so inspired. And thanks for joining. You're welcome, my lovey. Can't wait to see you. Yeah.